All right, I invite you to uh, just begin by praying with me. And I would like to just commit this time to the Lord as we look a bit further at spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for what you have done. Thank you for the work of Christ on the cross. Thank you that we don't have to stand condemned, but that there is hope. Thank you that we can be brought into a right relationship with you. You really are good. Uh, there, is, there is so much difficulty that does take place around the world and in our own individual lives. But Lord, you are working in the midst of that, and we thank you for that. Father, I'm asking now that you would guide my words. I pray that you would speak through your spirit this morning. May what I share only be in agreement with your written word and given by your spirit's power. So we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Coco, I'm having a hard time with this this morning. Let's see if we can go to, oops, see if we can go to the You Are Gifted slide. And while you're, see if you can find that one. For those of you who are part of the, the Kingwood body, you know that before I came here, I was a youth pastor for 17 years and have a lot of great, great memories of that. 15 months ago, we were at um, a, a house party. It was August of 2016, and we were, we were doing what every August it was gathered together for a house party. And um, as, as we were doing this at one particular house, we came together, and um, there was a young gentleman by the name of Christopher. And I, I asked Christopher this week, I said, Christopher, are you okay if I share this? And he said that he would be okay if I would share this. So I'm not, I don't like to just go around people's backs without them knowing, okay? So I asked him, Christopher, are you okay if I share this? That's okay. Christopher arrived at our house party, and we were having worship and a message, and, and he showed up, and um, he came with a friend. I had never met Christopher before, and um, afterwards talked with him just a little bit, found out a bit Hey, who are you? Great having you here. And he said, he said to me, his words to me were really interesting. He said, he said, uh, Nathan or Pastor Nate or whatever he called me, he said, hey, he said, um, I'm not religious. I just want to let you know I'm not religious. Um, but I was really intrigued by what you were talking about tonight. And if you're okay, I'd like to come back again. <laughs> I'm, okay, so first off, when someone says, I'd like to come back again to church stuff, you're like, as a pastor, <laughs> woohoo! You know, I'd be like, that's a good thing, right? Okay, that's awesome. Okay, and then the other part, when, when he says to me, I'm not religious, I felt like saying, hey, that's awesome, I'm not either. Okay, that's what I felt like saying. I didn't say that, though. 
you know, I was just like, okay, I get what you're saying. All right, so let's. So over the next coming months, I wanted to find out more about Christopher, who he is. Found out he's agnostic, means that he just believes that you cannot know. You can't know whether there's a God. There might be a God, there might not be. Eh, whatever. You know, that, that kind of mentality. Fast forward to last April, we went on our spring retreat, annual spring retreat, up to Seaside, Gearhart area. And um, my wife and I were driving our pilot, and, and so we had Christopher and a couple, two of his friends in our car with us. And I thought, this is an opportunity that I've been looking for to go a bit deeper and to just begin to search the heart and find out what's going on. And so we began, I thought, all I want to do is I just want to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, right? So let me just ask questions. I'm not here to get in a debate. I'm not here to butt heads. I'm going to get absolutely nowhere. But I can ask questions, right? And if you have questions, you can ask questions. Let's ask questions. So I asked them some questions. And the questions are just the main basic questions that people have been asking for most of history. How did I get here? What's my purpose? And where am I going after all of this is done? And I just said, I just want to know. I'm just asking. Just give me honest feedback. I'm not here to pick a fight, like I said. Just as an agnostic, how do you answer that? And some of the questions as we began a dialogue, there was some interesting responses. And part of him was saying a couple times, that's a good question. I don't really know. And I said, that's fine. And again, he already knew where I stood. He heard me week after week. He knew where I stood. I just said, I'm just glad that you were here, Christopher. Just thankful for that. Well, um, God called me here. And early on as I was here, I connected with Christopher. And Christopher um, talked with me, actually came to my office and said... Pastor Nate, I place my faith in Jesus as my Savior. I could not believe that the young man who is a senior in high school now, who a year ago was saying, I'm agnostic and I don't believe any of this stuff, is now saying, I'm a believer in Jesus. And he said to me, and I want to get baptized, and I want you there. So in early September, I went out to Fall City, which is where he's from, went out there and was able to participate in that, the change, and who Christopher is. Complete 180. So this last week, Christopher came to my office, and he said, Pastor Nate, I would like to do a job shadow. I want to job shadow you. It's for a class. I said, okay, Christopher, that's awesome. Most people don't want to follow the pastor around. (laughs) That's not usually what they like to do. A lot of people, they're like, Pastor, weird. Stay over there. You know, like, don't... Yeah, this is how it goes, okay? So he was like, can I job shadow you? Yeah, you could job shadow me. 
said, can you meet me at 6.45 in the morning in the Safeway parking lot in West Salem? I'll be there. said, I'm going to show you what pastors do. I'm going to introduce you to the Salem pastors. We had breakfast together. I said, this is the good part, Christopher. We have breakfast. We drink a lot of coffee, Christopher. <laughs> Just follow me around. But we also, there's a lot of other things that we do. Christopher, what's going on? Pastor Nate, ever since I became a believer in Jesus, I really cannot shake the idea that maybe God wants me to be a pastor. Christopher, that is only what God can do. That is only what God can do. A year ago, 15 months ago, you came and you said, I don't know if there's a God and I could care less if there's a God. And now you're saying, I want to be a pastor. Now, I don't know if Christopher is going to be a pastor. That's up to God. But I tell you this story because I really believe it enforces a couple of things here that we've been looking at. We've been looking at spiritual gifts. Gifts. Spiritual gifts. Therefore, the spiritual. Therefore, those who are saved, and no, we don't always act spiritual. But if we have placed our faith in Jesus, we have a relationship with the God of the universe, we have been changed. And God has gifted us with spiritual gifts. They are given to us when we come to faith in Jesus. Amazing. It was just a matter of a couple months ago that Christopher placed his faith in Jesus and now he is already talking about being a pastor. Why? All I can say is because God the Spirit is working in his heart. And he's saying, Nate, I don't know how to explain this, but I cannot Stop thinking about this. And I told him, I said, that's good, Christopher, because that's exactly what God did to me to put me here at Kingwood. I could not stop thinking about it. So if that's what God's doing to you, then Christopher, you listen to that voice. You listen to that voice. Spiritual gifts are for believers. They are given to us when we place our faith in Christ, the Spirit, God the Spirit, determines what gifts we received, what we receive. I don't think that Christopher would have ever guessed in a million years, <laughs> 15 months ago, that he would be saying the words, I think I might want to be a pastor. And gifts are to be used. They are to be used. You are gifted. You are spiritually gifted. This morning, I want you to think with me about seven or eight, we'll see what time allows here, of the gifts. These gifts are mentioned in four different passages of Scripture. Last week, I had uh, some help in reading those passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31, and Ephesians 4, 1 through 12. We're not going to turn there this morning, but I'm going to reference these gifts, and I want you to think with me about them. And, and perhaps even if, we have, if time allows, maybe even interact with me a little bit on some of these gifts here. 
The very first gift is this, teaching. And by the way, as we, as we go through these gifts, I want you to not only see the definition, but I want you to think about examples of how this is played out in the body of Christ. Remember, gifts are for the strengthening up, the building up of the body, the church body. So I want you to think about how we use these gifts here. And I want you to actually be thinking about this. Do I have this gift? Has God gifted me in this way? And if he hasn't, that's completely fine. Then would you think about this? Who do I know that has this gift? Who do I know in the body that has this gift? Because these gifts are of importance. Teaching. And they're, I'm, not, I'm not listing these in any kind of order, okay? I'm just going to go right now with teaching. It is the God-given ability to analyze and proclaim the word of God, explaining the meaning, context, and application to the hearer's life. This is a man-made definition, okay? It, but this is what we find, and what we find in Scripture is teaching. I, I looked at various resources this last week to kind of compile this list together. Part of it comes from Dr. Gary Friesen, who is one of the professors that my wife and I had at Multnomah, um, a really godly man, and, and really appreciate a lot of what he has said about spiritual gifts. Well, I really believe that examples of this gift go beyond the pulpit. I know that I, I moved the pulpit and all I have is a flimsy this, you know, but and, um, that, that's okay. But you know what I'm saying. It's beyond just simply giving a message, teaching from here. I believe it has to do with Bible study leaders, Sunday school teachers, VBS teachers, missionaries. These are people who have the gift of teaching. Interestingly enough, when it says the, the gift of, or the, the position of elder, it is also to be someone who is able to teach. That is, that's one of the qualifications for elder. It is for us to, to transmit the word of God, proclaim the word of God, which means that we must know the word of God so that we can convey the word of God, but to also understand the context, the meaning, and then how this passage relates to our life today. Do you have this gift? Perhaps you are a person that as you hear messages, whether it's here Sunday morning or in a Sunday school or in a Bible study, you might be the kind of person that says, if I were to be teaching, I would word it this way. If you're one of those people, could be because you have the gift of teaching and you're just not using it yet. If you sense that you have the gift of teaching... Can I encourage you to begin to find ways to put that gift into practice to see if, yes, you really do have this gift? If you do not have this gift, can I also ask you, please don't teach. (laughs) I believe that we do a great disservice to the Word of God when we have people who are not gifted trying to communicate the Word of God. The last thing I want is people to say the word of God is boring because the word of God is anything but boring. Gift number two. 
Exhortation. It's not a word that we use a whole lot, is it? Exhortation. It's the God-given ability to encourage, correct, and build those up in the faith who are weak or in need of comfort. There is nothing wrong with being weak, and there is nothing wrong with needing comfort. We all have times where we need that. But we also have people who are gifted in coming alongside of us when we are weak and when we are in need of comfort. Examples of this. Because I'm the pastor, I get to hear the various stories of what happens here. But I think of two ladies who remain anonymous, but who simply were presented or found out about a need within the body of someone who was going through something difficult. And two ladies went to encourage this person. Not only to encourage, but also to bring groceries, food over to this person. You see, that is to come alongside of someone. But not all, it's not just simply to say, well, you're going to be okay. But it is also to say, hey, I'm here with you. I'll walk this path with you, and I want to bless you. I want to do this. Exhortation. Do you have this gift? It also, I put encourage. We like that word. It also says to correct. This is the 21st century. This is the year 2017. We don't like to do this, do we? You know, we have a very tolerant society. Don't correct. This, this is hard. This can be really hard. But I'm telling you that part of this gift is the ability to graciously correct when something is incorrect, when doctrine is maybe incorrect, to graciously correct. When someone's focus is off course, to correct to come alongside and help someone refocus according to the word of God. Now, if you are a person who says, I'm a great corrector, then my words to you are, you don't have the gift of exhortation. (laughs) Because the great correctors are the people that do not necessarily recognize it. If you believe that, well, I'm just really abrasive and upfront and I'll just... I'll just say things how they are, then you're probably not the person to go do this. Because I believe it's something that you need to graciously do. Graciously do. Gift number three. Giving. Giving is the God-given ability to joyfully share what material or financial resources you have without the thought of return. Aren't you thankful that God gives people the ability to give. A lot of times it is financial. That's the most obvious, right? Financial giving. God blesses people with finances. But do you realize that the amount of money that you have does not determine whether or not you have this gift? I think about the poor widow that Jesus spoke of and how she was the one that gave such a little amount of money. And the religious leaders who gave huge chunks of money. And yet Jesus said that this poor widow gave more than the religious people. Why? Because she gave out of her poverty. She gave all that she had. And so there was no sacrifice for the religious people to give 
big chunks of change. There was no sacrifice. But when the widow gave, she gave out of poverty and it was all that she had. So the amount of money does not determine whether or not you have this gift. It could be that you give of your time. I believe that our time is of extreme value today. We don't like to give time. We seem to never have enough of it. It can be giving of your resources, your house, your place, your car, your property. This can be the gift of giving. By the way, as believers in Jesus, we are all called to give. We're all called to give. So there's, there's no part of us that could say, well, I guess I don't have to give because God just didn't give me that gift. Whew. No, it's not how it works. We're all called to give. We're all called to give. In the New Testament, Paul says that we are to give that which the Lord has placed on our heart to give. I like that, that we give as God leads us. But beyond all of us in the body giving, God gives a special ability for some people to go above and beyond and to give. And they do it not expecting anything in return. I praise God that there are those who have this gift. How about this gift, serving? And I want to hear from you with this one, how you might see this one coming into play here. But definition, it's the God-given ability to identify undone tasks in God's work and use available resources to get the job done. To get the job done. The Greek word, diakonia. It's what we, it's how we get the word deacon, a biblical office. But it just simply means this, to run errands. It's not the most glamorous job. It's not the most glamorous gift. But it's a gift that God gives people, and I'm so thankful. And oftentimes the people I see with this gift, they're the ones that do it behind the scenes, never receiving any kind of recognition. But they're giving. They're serving. Now I want to hear from you. What are examples of this gift. I believe there's many. What are examples in the body where we see this taking place or where we could see this take place? What do you think? Kelsey. Excellent. Setting up tables for Thanksgiving. There was a crew down here helping Mike. Mike overseeing. Um, setting up tables yesterday so that we can go over. What else? What other ways can we serve? What's that, Sue? Doing Excellent. Doing janitorial work. Yeah. Cleaning toilets. Um, cleaning the sinks. Wiping down counters. Taking out the trash. Excellent. Dennis. Picking up food. Um, are you thinking in terms of like food bank or explain? Any and all. Yes. Excellent. Good. How else? Um, 
Good. I never thought about that one. I, I like that. That's, a real, that's really good, Sharon. Cutting people's hair, if you did not hear that. Some of you might be saying, I wish I had hair to cut. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, cutting people's hair. What, what a good way to serve. That really is. Others. Excellent. Thank you, Yvonne. Providing transportation. Good. Ava. Good. Helping with the food bank. You did that yesterday. Thank you. Excellent. Good. Someone else? Yes, Mary. Excellent. Good news clubs. Helping out there. Serving. However you can serve, whether it's setting the, the chairs up or even, even serving by, by verbally sharing the good news. Good. Can we get two more? You guys are kind of quiet this morning. That's okay, but let's go two more. Yes. Good. Yes, good. Thank you. Working in the office. Um, we have four ladies who give their time during the week. That is serving. Good. Can we do one more? Excellent. Yes. Very good. You know, the list really could go on and on and on. It really could. Some things I wrote down, changing lights, folding bulletins, playing an instrument. That's serving. You don't always think about it, do you? But that is a service to give of your time to play an instrument here. Um, Other things, running the soundboard, running the slides, setting up tables, cooking a meal, washing dishes, cleaning restrooms, vacuuming carpet, running the food bank, mowing the lawn, trimming the shrubs, sweeping the walkway. By the way, we're all called to serve. We're all called to serve one another. Just like we're all called to give, we're all called to serve one another. But God especially gifts certain people to go above and beyond and to serve the body of Christ so that this body grows. Next gift here, faith. God-given ability to be visionary and trust God to bring the vision into reality. We need this. And the Old Testament says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We need people to be visionary, to have great faith, to see what seems to be impossible to everyone, and yet to say, by God's grace, we're going to move forward. And we're going to be okay. Not because we're great, but because God is great. Faith. The object of faith is not faith itself. The object of faith is God. It's God. What, what I have a hard time with when I flip through the channels and I see TV preachers, which sometimes are really big on faith, and I think we should be big on faith, but sometimes I see that the object of faith is faith itself. If you have great faith, you'll be okay. My faith is because I have a great God. That's why I can have great faith. And it is not the amount of faith. Jesus said if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's tiny. Then you can move a mountain. My faith is puny. But I serve a magnificent God. 
And because he has a plan for moving forward, I'm getting behind him. And I'm going to plow ahead with him. Because he's got something good in store. And I'm trusting that as we do, others will join behind. And they'll say, let's go for it. We've got a great God. We can move forward. Discernment. God-given ability to distinguish truth from error. Judging whether the behavior or teaching is from God. Satan. Human error or human power. The ability to distinguish where is this coming from? Is it from God? If it's from God, I listen. But this could be from the deceiver. This could be from the pit of hell. And if that's the case, it might sound really good. No, it's going to sound really good. Satan's clever. But we need those who can distinguish truth from error and say, this is not of God. Or is it just simply human error? Or this is being done in human power. This is void of the power of God. The crazy thing about churches is we can manufacture something good. I believe that America has big church buildings that are full of people. And I believe that some of those churches are void of the power of God because it's man-made. We can get smart. For whatever reason, God has given us this ability to get smart and know how to build stuff. We've got CEOs all around the nation who can build things. And there are some people who can just go and build a church. But you know what? I want to belong to the church that is run by God, that is empowered by God himself. That is hope for the church that we will be. This gift of discernment, it's needed in the body of Christ. The elders, we must have at least one elder who has this gift. Notice, we don't have to all have the gift of discernment. Not every elder must have the gift of discernment. But I'm trusting that at least one elder is going to have the gift of discernment on any subcommittee. Under the elders, I trust that those committees will have at least one person who has the gift of discernment to know this is of the Lord. This is not of the Lord. My time is quickly winding down. Mercy, God-given ability to demonstrate compassion toward those who are in distress by using resources available to lessen their suffering. I believe that the example I shared earlier of the two ladies is also an example of mercy. And by the way, a lot of these gifts can overlap. They really can. Aren't you thankful for people who show mercy? The times that I have in my life made poor choices spiritually... I've been thankful that there was someone of mercy who came alongside. When I was growing up, I was at a camp. I was in high school, and I was actually helping out with a camp. And I said something. I might share more with about it later. But I said something publicly that got me in big trouble. I mean, I just 
kind of, I kind of lost it and I got really mad and I said something I shouldn't have said. The youth pastor at the time was a really godly man. I really believe he was a godly man and he came up to me and he graciously helped me to see my error and he did so in a way that caused me to repent and go to the young lady. Well, she was actually a year older than me who made me mad and apologize. I believe that he had the gift of mercy because he was able to come alongside of me. And he was able to extend mercy. Mercy it is basically God withholding what I rightfully deserve. You know, I deserve judgment. I do. And so do all of us. But we've all received mercy. And it is just continuing that mercy that God has already poured out and made available to us. And it is us making it available. God has gifted people, certain people, especially the gift of mercy. One last gift here. We'll look at leadership. The God-given ability to give direction to the body of Christ in such a way that moves others to follow it compels others to follow. God gifts people with this ability. I believe that pastors need to have this gift. Elders, at least some of the elders need to have this gift. But you know what? It goes beyond pastors and elders who have this gift. There are people right here this morning that have this gift. Has God gifted gifted you this way? That you live your life in a way that is compelling for other people to come alongside and continue to follow. Thankful that God gifts people with the ability to lead. God has gifted you. You are gifted. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you have at least one spiritual gift. It does not matter your age. It doesn't matter your age. I love that. And God calls us to put our gifts into practice. Next week we're going to conclude this and we're going to allow a spiritual gifts test to be taken for those that would like to during the Sunday school hour. I don't care your age. Please, may there not be any kind of embarrassment. You might even say, I should have known for a long time what my spiritual gift is. If you don't know, it's okay. I would encourage you. Not that the test is going to tell you exactly what you have. The Spirit determines your gift not the test. But this is a tool that we can use. You are gifted. And it is to help strengthen Kingwood Bible Church. God, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you empower us for service. May we be faithful. Faithful to follow you. Faithful to put into practice 
the gifting that you have given us. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.